Captain Slug, Stardate 23. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the Captain Slug, where we track our way through all of Star Trek. Uh, I'm here in 10 forward. I'm joined, as always, by my colleague, Mr. Mark O'Neill. Uh, I'm Eddie Edwards. Uh, hi, Mark. How's it going? Hello, Eddie. Uh, yeah, great. Fine. Um, not much to report this week, unfortunately. I don't have a lot of chat. Uh, I say, now, obviously you'll hit out with something that will make me go, well, hold on a minute. I have 15 minutes worth of things to say about that. Um, well, I do want to, unfortunately, I feel we've got to talk about Star Trek with Picard. Right. Given, given as a podcast, what we have, uh, a certain character that we've regularly championed. I, I feel I should point out, have you seen the announcement of who's going to be in the next season of Star Trek Picard? Uh, the full uh, Enterprise bridge crew, right? Minus Tasha Yar. Uh, let me let me read the full list and see if you notice anything. It's right. Lavar Burton, right? Michael Dawn, yep. Jonathan Frakes, yep. Gates McCadden, yep. Marina Sirtis, and Brent Spiner. Who's you missing? might notice a name missing from that list. I don't know if you've watched any of the promotional material for any of the Picard stuff, but it's a lot of people sat around over Zoom being interviewed by the wonderfully charming and incredibly nice Mr. Will Wheaton, oh. who apparently. Oh. He's the only one who hasn't been called and presumably is contractually obligated to do the next season's promotional material. <laughs> to congratulate all of his old friends on getting to work on this project again. Oh, <laughs> I, oh that sucks. And and what's what's he got going? Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like I mean, if anything, he's, he's not busy than the rest of them, uh, I would guess. But the only reason he's more busy than the rest of them is that he was doing promotional stuff for Picard. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's shocking. Um, oh, I'll put. Should we try and get him on this? We can't pay him, but I'm sure he'll if like it. Gonna... I'm, I'm sure. He, I'm sure he'll he'll be like. I, I really I really like this uh, premise that it's the, the the two of you are on the Enterprise and just discussing the week's events. But I like I like how it takes the, the, the all of season one for you to kind of get that on. And, uh, <laughs> and 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 you st- and you still really haven't gotten it down. I like that. I like the messy. I like the grittiness of it. I like how gorilla if, it feels. If you listen to this and you know Will Whedon, um, let him know we we'd love to have him on. Yeah. Um, or if you are Will Whedon, um, then you wouldn't have to tell yourself that. No. Uh, you'd know that now. Uh, so come on down, um, and we'll treat you with a level of respect that the people who are making Picard clearly aren't. <laughs> Oh, oh god it's like they've been they've been talking to him while they've been working out the contracts yeah <laughs> like, like they're being interviewed by him fuck you. I just want to say fuck you Alex Kurtzman you two faced git <laughs> and he's going to have to smile and he's going to smile at you and be nice to you and professional throughout the rest of this damn season where he yeah. has to do his little ready room bits to promote each episode because he's a nice guy and he, and he can do what he's paid to do you absolute bastards and I'm sure that he goes home to Mrs. Will Wheaton, I assume, and he's just and he just and he just he sits down and he says, "Listen, Shirley, I don't know her name, his name, I, I I don't know what Will Wheaton's got going on, but he sits down and he says, Shirley, it's it's really getting to me. It's it's it, this being nice to Alex Kirkman. She says, you know, what do you mean? And he goes, well, at the end of the day, I could kiss this man's ass." four ways from Sunday 
And at the end, if he finally decides that he quite likes me, the one thing that I might get out of this is a cameo in a Transformers movie. <laughs> and really, is that the way to be living a life? Here, I've, I've got a genuine, a genuine pitch for the Picard writers, if, if you are listening. If you really, really don't like Will Wheaton as much as you apparently don't, why don't you really stick the knife in and have all of these characters come back for Wesley Crusher's funeral. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and have him died off screen. No, show them all crying. A show Beverly Crusher pretending to cry. <laughs> and what you and what you really have to do, the way to really, really twist the knife after you've stuck it in, um, is have it be exactly the same as Tasha Yar's funeral, where there's a hologram version of Will Wheaton, but you never see it on screen. And all of the dialogue is just looped together from different clips that he's said from various episodes over the years. Because surely he has said enough words that you can put together a decent eulogy. I mean, I mean, is it a eulogy if you do it for yourself? I don't know. I'm I'm not a, I'm not a doctor of the dictionary, Eddie. But what they've been doing, Mark, I guess, is they probably don't. Will Wheaton doesn't know this, but on the promotional material for Picard they've been tricking him into saying the words that they need him to say for his eulogy. <laughs> They're going to edit together from that, because that way they don't have to pay him again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the biggest fuck yous, I think, in the history of media. Especially that if he is going to... I'm not... I don't, I, I'm going to say this right now. I don't think Picard... I watched a couple of episodes of Picard season one. I don't I don't like it. No, me either. I don't, from what I've seen, I don't think season two looks great. Um, it's, it's, it's just I don't think it's Star Trek-y enough. That's just my take on it. So I'm not going to watch season three. I am going to watch every promotional interview that Will Wheaton has to do with the rest of the cast of TNG. Uh, like the, the only way this could be more a kick in the teeth is if at some point in season three of Picard, they somehow manage to get a reason to have Denise Crosby in it as well. <laughs> or if one of the promotional uh, material adverts is literally just all of the bridge crew get to kick while waiting in the teeth maybe that, maybe that's their excuse they're like well we would have invited you back Will but technically Wesley Crusher never served as an actual member of Starfleet on board the Enterprise so it just doesn't work thematically uh, <laughs> anyway we're having Avery Brooks in this season well he wasn't even <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you know he's got nothing on Will he's, he's not doing much you've got loads of shit mate talking to your friends Jonathan Frakes and that remember how you weren't in any of the movies either was he, was he ever in any of the movies He he's at um, I think one of the movies. Yeah. I. F oh, okay. Is there's a wedding. Nemesis or Insurrection. There's a wedding. Yeah. That it starts with, and he's there as a guest. Right. Which goes to show that the movies are made by people who haven't watched TNG, because like he goes off with like a, an eighth dimensional being to travel the multiverse. So I don't. I'm not certain how that works out. But I also know that the people who write Picard don't know, don't watch Star Trek, <laughs> because. There's a bit where they've like so. There's a bit where they meet Guinan and she's running a bar in LA, and the bar is um, the address is number ten, and it's on Forward Avenue, and that's where the name Ten Forward comes from. Despite the fact 
that the name 10 forward comes because it's deck 10 forward section, which is said multiple times throughout <laughs> a series of Star Trek. So they didn't even bother to just do a cursory run through of TNG. We put more effort into researching Star Trek The Next Generation than the the people writing Picard. Although, in fairness, maybe they started watching it season one, got like three episodes in and went, we can just use Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite um, example of a prequel explaining how something that is either already explained or not important came about? Because mine, 100%, uh, is the bit in the fucking Han Solo movie where he's running away from a, a bunch of Imperials that... No, I think he's running away from a bunch of generals, uh, a bunch of certain ne'er-do-wells from Coruscant that are trying to get him. So he runs into an Imperial recruitment centre and runs up to the dude and he realises, oh, I have to get to the other side of that gate, but the only way I can get through there is to enlist. So he says to the guy... Oh, I'm here to enlist, and the bloke replies, Well, what, what's what's your name? To which he says, Han. And the bloke goes, Well, Han what? Han goes, Well, I don't know, I mean, I actually don't have a surname. So he goes, Well, you're on your own. So, solo. Han solo. And then, title. Fuck off. Because famously, Mark, in, in the Star Trek universe, Star Wars universe, sorry, uh, nobody has well, just one name. As we all know, Chewbacca Smith. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, mine is also mine is also a Star Wars related one, um, and it's Medichlorians. Uh, I'm a classicist. Uh, I like the idea that every time somebody's gone, oh, I sense a disturbance in the force, I could have just done a blood test, yep. uh, and it's not addressed at any point in the modern. Um, uh, and the other one is the um, uh, uh, is the uh, plans for the Death Star being on that uh, planet. In the second one, I think it's in Attack of the Clones, you see them like in the background in hologram form, which is one of those little bits that doesn't really add anything, but it's like a little nice Easter egg because it's not addressed. It doesn't come up. And it's only a negative thing if, like me, you had read some of the Star Wars books. And that existing very specifically erases the existence of like seven of your favourite fictional characters. <laughs> yeah. Because... <laughs> Because the de- it, uh, to be a real fucking nerd about this, in the extended universe novels, Queen Zux designed the Death Star. She thought it was mining equipment. She later ended up married to Wedge Antilles. Oh, uh, yeah, that's it fun. Doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't exist. Oh, well. It doesn't exist. They, they wanted to put a little thing in the background, and nobody bothered. Nobody working on it had ever bothered to read a fucking Star Wars book. Because who would that matter to? Mark? The people who go see Star Wars prequels. That's who it matters to. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I don't know what to say, mate. You've 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 really put me in, a, in an emotional corner here. I don't know how to comfort you about this. Uh, Shall we just start talking about this episode of Star Trek and hope I get past it? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> right. it because it, it, it sounds like the the way that I get into not not arguments online. I I, I do my best these days to not get into arguments online, um, or or really to say anything to anyone. I just I just fucking don't. <laughs> say anything i'll just take things on board i'll just read things and i'll be like i don't care like, i i genuinely like what, what difference is it going to make like you know this idea oh well if you can change one person's mind it's worth it it's, it's not don't don't bother we're all we're all going to be dead like in the grand scheme of the universe soon 
So uh, even don't... not in the grand scheme of the universe. It's yeah. soon. Yeah. Things so, aren't going great don't, on planet Earth. Mate, <laughs> don't worry about it. So when I see things like uh, people coming up with super convoluted reasons about why in Ghostbusters Afterlife the Ecto-1 has been reverted back to the Ecto-1 rather than the Ecto-1A that it was converted into in Ghostbusters 2 and all these super you know, complex reasons, or maybe all the equipment on top, they didn't really need it, and maybe the, the LCD panels were too much uh, drain on the battery, and it's like, well, the reason is that the Ecto-1A is much more recognisable, the, the Ecto-1 is more recognisable than the Ecto-1A, and in a movie that's essentially built around recognising things from nostalgia... Obviously, yeah. they're going to go for the much more popular one, but I don't, I don't care anymore, because just, just, just fucking, just, just do it, Putin. Just do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, Mark, speaking don't do of... it. Stop doing it. Stop doing all the things that you're doing. It's bad. Uh, speaking of dwelling on the past. Oh uh, fucking hell! Yep. Sir, that's an actual segue. We got. A... <laughs> What do you think of this episode, Mark? Because I, I don't know if it's a good episode, nah. but it's more of an episode than some of the ones we've watched previously in terms of like structure. Um, because like Picard is going through a personal thing, yeah, and the science fiction events that the Enterprise are going through mirror his own personal emotional journey. Like this was written by someone who cared. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was nice. Yeah, I guess um, the science and I I use the word science with inverted commas so large you'd be able to <laughs> see them from the Delta Quadrant but it, it kind of it's, it's complicated enough that you have to pay attention and really think about it and I, I like that when it happens in Star Trek yeah I like something. Yeah. I like anything that'll distract me from my phone. So, yeah. yeah, I'm all. I was all about it, and I still haven't quite put together how Data figures out which version of him is the correct one at the end. Yeah, no, I can't. I th- work that. I've got some theories. Yeah, but so so the plot of this episode is. Time's going weird. Time loops are happening. There's a, a distress call, and the distress call comes in from a bloke who, um, how do I put this delicately? Uh, someone whose wife Picard has fucked, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's dwelling on that in the past when he was a. a okay, but I need to address this because I did some googling around some facts about this episode, so. Um, this is a woman Picard had a, a sort of a, a, a crazy affair with 22 years ago. It's yeah. established, um, and um, instead of like whisking her away from her husband, he he left her at a restaurant um, and um, went back and became a Starfleet guy. Yeah, um, 22 years ago, he blames this on being like young and foolish and not really knowing what he wants from life. Picard in Star Trek: The Next Generation season one is canonically. 59 years old which means the events of this episode that in the past happened when he was 37 
a young, impetuous man of 30s. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a slightly weird one because there's a lot of things in this that don't. It makes sense. I think it's a very it's a good science fiction episode, but it doesn't make sense as like a Star Trek episode. Yeah. Because this guy, so the guy, the scientist is called Paul Mannheim, and he's been um, like experimenting with time because he's got some wacky, weird theories uh, about like, and people don't take him seriously. Um, so I can only imagine that people in Star Trek are just like, I don't know, whoa, 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 that we've already got fourteen different methods of time travel, <laughs> which, are, which are checked and counted, and that's the number. Uh, <laughs> it's like we, we, you think you can invent another one? Crazy. I. <laughs> He, um, so his his idea of time travel is kind of interesting because he obviously must subscribe to the multi worlds theory. So the multi worlds theory is that basically every time you do something, every decision that you make creates by itself a multitude of extra dimensions where other decisions were made. Um, And scientists uh, have... This this, this certainly isn't something that has been poo-pooed. From what I understand, this is something that a lot of scientists subscribe to as possibly a way that our universe works. Um, And we just experience time as we are only ever in one of those situations at any given moment. And that's what the present is. And his research, basically, he opens a doorway into one of the other versions. And because of the energy spill that's coming through from there, it's kind of fucking up time. And it's kind of, it's it's looping time and it's making different variants. It's about, yeah, yeah, so it's... um, what was I talking about? Oh, the the oh, it's, uh, the, uh, the 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 woman uh, back in the past. She was a hard ten. Yeah, is that what it was giving it? Yeah. <laughs> the problem is, is you can't have a conversation like this without it sounding like we're stoned because it's the kind of conversation that you can only ever really have when you're stoned. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. What if it's multiple branching universes? It wouldn't it be weirder if it's just one universe and it was all determined by the Big Bang and like free will is a myth, and, like. It, <laughs> It's yeah. It's yeah. There's, there's a, like... to, yeah, because time, time is happening all at once. We just experience it as a linear series of cause and effect. Yeah, but all all yeah. time exists somewhere. We're just traveling yeah. through it. So yeah, it's... yeah. Um, yeah, it gets weird. <laughs> this is a great data episode, and. <laughs> Um, okay, I want to bring up something about that. So, like at the beginning of this episode, uh, Picard's fencing with um, uh, Bill Hader. Oh yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and they have like, a time loop, and then he gets to the bridge afterwards, and he's like, "What was that?" And then like uh, Data's like, "Oh, it's not just like a, a thing that was experienced. It's like the we had the computer shows that there was a time jump." Yeah. Which is, but if the, wouldn't Data know whether or not it was psychological or if it affected technology? Because he is technology. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why would he need to check that on the computer? And he, he like specifically later on in the episode says something very interesting. 
he says that he always experiences time as a constant. So yeah. human beings experience, if you're bored, time appears to move slowly. If you're excited, time appears to move more quickly. Time flies, right, when you're having fun. And he he doesn't have that. Because he guess he doesn't have emotions, he just experiences all time as this absolute truth. Um, yeah. The thing that, that got me the most is that this time loop happens and Picard asks Bill Hader if he noticed it, to which Hader goes, oh yeah, obviously. And uh, then he comes up the bridge and he says, hey, Bridge, did anything... Did anything weird in time loopy just just happen? <laughs> to which the bridge goes, uh, yeah, yeah, that that was weird, wasn't it? And it's like, it sorry, was. if there's a fucking time loop, the first thing you should be doing is, sorry, Captain, uh, there was a time loop on the bridge. Like, did 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 Riker sit there and go and make the decision? I'm not listen. It, did he did he turn around and go? Look, I can't guarantee that this isn't a button that I pressed, right? <laughs> so if everyone could just keep that to themselves, that would be great. Yeah, I would say if there's a time loop, like just because the captain's not on the bridge because he's busy fencing in a, a what looks like a cargo bay, I don't know. Yeah. Um, like because he's busy fencing, like what do you? Yeah, I just I, I figure that still as like a person who's acting in charge, you should be able to be like, well, at least yellow alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I I got I want to say something as well that dis- I find upsetting about um, this. Why are all Starfleet officers really good at their hobbies? Like, like because this is we don't become like a historian. He knows like and, like never nobody's ever showed him like a historical artifact in all of Star Trek, and he's gone. No fucking clue, mate. <laughs> Guys, fencing. Wouldn't it be great if, like, the guy he was fencing with beat the shit out of him at fencing, and then Picard was like, "Well, you've got more time. You're not captaining a Starfleet vessel." <laughs> I guess I, I um, I'm quite lucky to work a job where I have a lot of time on my hands, um, and I'm not particularly much better at my hobbies than I was. I'm fucking phenomenal at masturbating, but <laughs> I was pretty good at that. Are you are you measuring that by are you measuring that by speed or volume? Both. <laughs> um, what I, I do is the bathtub faster than Mark O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> what I do is you remember at the end of Takeshi's Castle um, <laughs> when they're in the little the little rope the, the the little cars that drive around and they have squirt guns and there's like paper circles that you have to break I, I set up a few of those like one behind the other in a row of ten I'm up, I'm up to eight <laughs> not bad not bad at all <laughs> and obviously I'm not getting any younger so if I'm truly if I'm truly going to achieve my potential master batarily, um I I need to put in the effort now I I can't I can't I can't guy. slack I, I can't I, I just I want to thank my coaches they're putting in a lot of effort. Uh, my sponsors, all the protein drinks, big up. And uh, most of all, I want to thank God for giving me this natural talent. <laughs> uh, I've completely lost track of where we were. This is a fucking. This is a fucking nothing episode, man. Okay, there is I, one, this this is a great instalment in our recurring series, Mark, of how the fuck does the holodeck work, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, because he goes to the holodeck 
and he wants to he goes he specifically says I want Paris on April the 9th a specific year a specific cafe now I fully understand and I get that in the future Google Maps technology has developed to the point where it can pull that up fine but it, it has the exact people who were there and knows all of their conversations which seems like massive government overreach um. yeah because if it was just procedurally generated she would yeah. have been there because obvi- yeah. obviously he's going in there to meet her yes but and Laura asked about this has he programmed that in previously oh we didn't give a program number he didn't like run program because bang a French chick and I uh. and, and once again the 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 twenty twenty four year old woman that thirty seven year old Picard uh, was apparently going to meet on that day is yep. an absolute ten. And fair enough, the, the we do meet obviously meet her in the the, the, the present day, yeah. and she's she's a very attractive older lady, but I don't think she came from that. So I and also we we do learn later that Picard's memory of it is wrong. Because yeah. Picard remembers it not raining. And she says, no, it definitely rained. Um, but then the holodeck would know what the weather was if it's able to bring up... Yeah. He specifically asks for the weather, though. He specifically asks oh. for a date, a time, a year, and a type of weather. I reckon okay. he's programmed her in already. I, oh, right. I, I reckon that the holodeck has... And, and obviously she's... Um, She's blonde, so Riker wouldn't have any of that. He'd walk in and go, "Well, this chick doesn't know anything about jazz." So he's—I I reckon the holodeck works by. Um, it, 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 I imagine it be something like Second Life. I don't know if you ever tried Second Life. I dabbled, and then got weirded out when I saw two people. Like I get—I get it mostly was sex stuff, but like yeah. there were people who were like airships, and yeah. that's a kink I don't want any part of. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap travel. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I can't. I I've I actually dip into it. Not anymore. I, I don't really do it anymore. But I I I used to dip into it every couple of years just to be like, oh, let's. I used to use it to test graphics cards and things. Um, but because uh, it's really intensive, even though it looks like shit. But I <laughs> I I can't figure it out. Like I literally can't figure out. Like my avatar, my little avatar person looks exactly like the little guy that I started with with the exact same outfit because I can't figure out how to put new clothes on my wee guy and if you're like oh it's dead easy <laughs> it isn't because you you go into the menu that says here are the clothes that you've bought or acquired and you click on it and then in his hand there will appear a box with the clothes in and it's like well that's not what I want I want them on him because that's a sensible request like do you know what I mean? If you, yeah. if, you, if you turn around to your girlfriend and say, can you wear that thing for me tonight? She's not going to walk out completely naked with it in her hand and go, well, this is acceptable, isn't it? No, that's nonsense. But I think it's probably the, the holodeck is a bit like that. I think the holodeck has pre-programmed people in it. And yeah. you walk in and, and it's like, right, choose your race, gender, age. Like, and maybe you maybe you give it references or something. Maybe you like, 
Like maybe like uh, because right, you install a holodeck, right? Yeah. Everyone understands that that thing is being used for sex ninety five percent of the time. So yeah. I think that everyone on the ship walks in to the holodeck and the holodeck says, right, who is like what is your ideal? Like give me give me give me three examples of like the thing that you really like. So you walk in and you're like Alright, here's a picture of Kat Dennings in 2008 Linda Cardellini and a, and a third option I can't... And uh, here's Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman uh. Yeah, exactly um, and uh, uh, Anna de Armas and, it, and then it goes, right, and it, and it looks at all them and it goes, right, so you so you think they're up here um, and then it figures out based on maybe other people's preferences what like the level like a sliding scale is yeah so you can just go in and be give me a french 10 yeah uh... <laughs> or if you're you're like i've just finished work i just i i've drank i've drank eight pints of coffee today i had to roll up my sleeves just d- d- give me an english four <laughs> just, just something I'm really I re, just give me something that's really going to make me hate myself <laughs> um, I have a, a question about this as well um, if she this is this is this is a question that only makes sense in the in, in this, this, this question isn't going to make any sense to anyone who has never listened to this podcast but it will make sense to you Mark and I, I'm glad, glad that I've got someone who shares that will share this with me if she's French, why doesn't she have an English accent? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I also... Obviously, there is a part of my brain that's going... Two fucking... Let's face facts. Ugly-ass white guys. Um, yeah. Why the fuck are we... Who the fuck are we to be, to be, to, to be talking about the, the relative attractiveness... Uh, of women, but at the same time, the episode asks us these questions. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like, how how does that work? Like how? It, it, yeah, it, you're right. It either has to be a massive security issue, and and also, I do you know the, do you know the character in this that I am fascinated by who has kept? Oh, me... I know, I I I know exactly who you're gonna say. It's the waiter in the cafe. Who is a waiter in Star Trek? Oh, <laughs> money doesn't exist in the society. You don't need to be employed. Like you, there are replicators. Like it's, if you get, maybe the only thing I can work out, and this is the only thing that I can work out, is there's no money. Yeah. So like the only thing that's like keeping you like employed as a waiter is I guess that like the, you have a decent relationship with the cook. Maybe these people take it because maybe being a waiter is fantastic in a society where people don't have their ability to survive linked to how well they can not smack a customer in the face of being a prick <laughs> I the, the, the only note I have for this entire episode is cafes in a post-scarcity society would be amazing because everyone would only be there because they genuinely like serving people yeah like I I legitimately love working in a pub I I, oh, I think it's the pinnacle of work. I I there's something about it that just appeals to me so much. Pulling pints, having conversations, mixing drinks, even walking around clearing the bar. There's there's just something about it that satisfies me more than any other job I've ever had. I fucking adore working in pubs, but they don't pay enough, and it's full of cunts. 
Yeah. If I could reasonably guarantee that those two things were not going to be an issue, I would. If 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 pub if pub work paid thirty five grand a year, that's all I would do. Yeah. 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 That's like well, Ben. Like in, so, in Deep Space Nine, it's established that Ben Cisco's dad owns a restaurant. Yeah. In like New Orleans, and it's just because he loves cooking. Yeah. And I'm imagining that like the wait staff are like people who go, no, this guy's a really good cook. His food's amazing. We get to eat it every night as part of like we help him out by taking it to the tables and stuff. And we're genuinely passionate about it. I get it. But this is like a like a high class French cafe. And like the I, I can only assume that this waiter's doing this because this is his kink. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, man. Cause I cause I we actually know some people who have done wait staff work at some fairly high grade restaurants and uh, what you would get because the thing the thing about Star Trek obviously in a post scarcity world there is no money Picard himself says we just work for status like that's the only we, we work to better ourselves and for a sense of status if you are if you run an incredible cafe that the creme de la creme of this is of your local society is coming in to use on a regular basis and your service is so good you probably have access to things like information or contacts yeah there there would be again this isn't a very funny episode of this podcast as we just talk (laughs) about the logistics of how super socialism would work but there is, there, there, there must be some sort of gain, and I, I think it's probably that, or uh, maybe it is his kink. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of behaviour in this episode that can only really be described via the thing of it's someone's kink. Because like, <laughs> the, 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 the scientist in this, like when he eventually meets Picard, is all like, oh yeah, my wife told me about you. I know exactly who you are. I think I'm dying. Take care of my wife, which is some big will smith energy uh. <laughs> what if a time travel is his kink and i i i have a theory about it i was, I was gonna say i love that he does there's a whole bit of this where he's like our, our system worked too well we tore a crack at the universe and it's like that's not star trek dialogue that's ghostbusters dialogue <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so uh i yesterday uh, was uh, I had a I had a client uh, who was who I was gonna who I was gonna work with and it, and just before our session started, uh, he messaged me to say, "I'm I'm really very sorry. I I have to cancel. Basically, I booked this as a surprise date with my girlfriend who lives in another country. Um, and we were that's how we were gonna spend her birthday together." And I've just been informed that her friends have thrown her a surprise party. So unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do it. I'm really sorry for the last minute notice. I'm, can I get a refund? And I'm like, yeah, 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 of course, man. Like, yeah, I understand. Um, that's fine. Uh, I'll put your refund through. Anyway, enjoy the party. Obviously, he's not going to that fucking party, right? If anything, that party exists. This, like, has destroyed his plans to spend time with his girlfriend on her birthday because she's going to this fucking surprise party. And I said, enjoy the party the way that you sometimes respond to a waiter who says, enjoy your food and you go, you too, right? And you (laughs) want the earth to open up and swallow you whole. That's exactly what I want. If I could, 
if I if someone discovered time travel and could say you could go back to any point in your life, it would be immediately before I sent press send uh, on that reply to that person. And the worst thing about it is this next message was thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, exclamation mark smiley face and I'm like oh fuck like oh. I mean well, well, don't worry he's not going to remember that because his girlfriend's breaking up with him soon <laughs> let, let's just figure this her friends have had a surprise party for her right so let's say there's like 10 or 20 of her friends have done this they couldn't all chip in 20 quid to buy her boyfriend a plane ticket and fly him over as part of the surprise no no they're, 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 they've been inviting along that guy they think that she should be with uh, so what if she doesn't he won't exist? Even remember his conversation with you. What if this was like a weird incel date? <laughs> what is is it anime body pillow? It's got a surprise birthday. It's got a no. What if what if this was what a woman who do? was just being polite to him? What would you do as a tour guide, Mark? Yeah. If somebody said they were doing a, a tour for them and their girlfriend, and they logged in, and one camera pops up and it's them, and the other camera pops up, and it's clearly the same room. It's an anime body pillow. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> that is a good question. Um, Would you be able to maintain your composure? Would you ask her questions? Would you pretend that she had answered? <laughs> I would... I'd, would you flirt with her? <laughs> you know what I would do, Eddie? Uh, I'd wait to see what the vibe was. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd read. I'd, I'd. I'd do my best to read the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to have a very specific go at this episode about one thing. Yep. So the the title of this episode is "We'll Always Have Paris," which isn't a great name for an episode. Nope. I would have called it the Mannheim Effect or something like that. <laughs> but at the end of this, there's a bit where they're going to go. So on the way to this, the beginning of this episode, they're going for shore leave. And when they've resolved this issue, they're going to continue to the planet. They're going to shore leave. And they're going to go to a bar. Like the Troy, Riker, and Picard share a moment where they talk about there's a really good bar that they want to go to called the Blue Parrot Club. Mm-hmm. Right? This episode could have been called We'll Always Have Parrots. Right? <laughs> Which is a better name for an episode and a joke directly from an episode of Red Dwarf. So I am very, very upset. With this entire thing. Uh... <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Um, I, I I don't like how, ev- how everyone is really looking... Every single character is really looking forward to show leave and talking about how excited they are for show leave. And yeah. everything they discuss doing on their show leave is way more interesting than anything that happens in this episode. <laughs> I... I would love to see from fucking Enterprise Shore Leave. Oh yeah, I would. I would love. There should be an episode just called Shore Leave where nothing science fictiony happens. It's just like Riker and Picard get trashed. <laughs> right. Let's right, right. Right. So, so it starts and okay. black screen, and then uh, fade up, quick fade up to oh, opening line. Troy says he's hiding something. We cut to somebody playing Find the Lady. <laughs> no, here's how it goes, right? We open, and uh, we we do a quick cut to a pair of eyes opening very suddenly. Um, you may recognise the eyes, you may not. Don't worry, because the camera will start to zoom out and at the same time start to rotate 
slowly as we reveal the face of Commander William Riker. We get to the neck, we think, what's happening? We start to realise, oh, he's topless. As we pull out even further, he's draped in silk sheets. One woman on the left, one <laughs> woman on the right. A guy in, there's a, there's a, there's a, as we get closer, we realise there's a, there's a, a, a man who's, who's draped over his midriff. But, as we pull out even further, we realise that all three of those people are dead. <laughs> and... Riker turns to his left and sees uh, a, like a like a bedside table uh, with a with a still a still smouldering cigarette with lipstick on the filter and uh, he, uh, he 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 reaches down to to, to 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 press the comm badge to call for Captain Picard's help. Realizes that he obviously doesn't have one because he's naked. So he has to reach down and slowly pick up the dead body off of his, uh, off of him, off of his torso, lay it down, and uh, Picard walks in. First of all, Picard walks in, uh, vomits into a, into a bin, and then uh, and then Data walks in and gets really excited that he's going to get to play Sherlock Holmes for a while. <laughs> and Picard in his. In, 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 in an almost delusional episode, <laughs> thinks, I, I'll, I don't, I don't, I don't even want to question what's happened here. So he just, he just reverts into his uh, persona of Dixon Hill. <laughs> I like the idea that the three of them have to like load a bunch of bodies into like a wardrobe because they've got to pretend that they're normal. Yeah, and as they're like, because I like the idea. So like, Riker's standing in front of the wardrobe, and the, like Troy's coming. And she's talking to him, and the, the, the door falls open, and an arm sticks out. He shoves the arm back and closes it, and then Troy looks at him and goes, "You're hiding something." <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the idea that, that this is a that, 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 that they they think well we have to we have to get them out of here, we have to take them somewhere else, we have to like dump them into space. But they are the only three on shore leave. Everyone else is still on the Enterprise. But yeah. the only way to get up to the Enterprise is to beam up. So what they do is they say, well, we're going to bring our friends aboard. Oh, we're going to weekend at Bernie's this shit. <laughs> uh, they, there's a weekend at Bernie's situation where the six of them arrive on the transporter pad. And Chief Miles <laughs> O'Brien, he knows. I mean, he's... It's not the first time he's beamed a corpse on board for Commander Riker. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a proud Raman. There's, there's, there's not much. There's not much he isn't willing to keep to himself. <laughs> Could you? Well, uh, let, let me ask you an ethical question, Mark. Go on. Right. It's obviously wrong to interfere with the dead, but right. let me ask you a question from a moral standpoint, not from a, whether you'd be into it, but just from a moral standpoint. If I use the replicator to make a corpse, so it was never alive, is there any moral? Is there any issue with doing what I want with that? I reckon there's probably a safety <laughs> uh, feature on the replicator that prevents you from making. And I'm going to choose my words very carefully here. 
an entire human body. <laughs> but <laughs> I reckon if you if you look, if you're happy enough to spend your spare time doing it, I reckon you could Frankenstein together a full corpse. Um <laughs> Yeah. All I've got in my head right now is do you remember when you like you see you used to get TV adverts for like buy this magazine and you'll get part of the Titanic? Yeah. And over like and over uh, thirty eight weeks and forty thousand pounds, you'll put together this magnificent model. Now I'm just imagining that the Star Trek version of that is like get a fingernail. <laughs> <laughs> um there's a there's a there's a play uh from a from a couple of years ago. I think it's is it called the Nexus or is it called the Net? Uh, but basically, it's uh, it, it, I refer to it as pedometrics. But basically, right, the, okay. uh, the, the 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 central question of it is: uh, if we were able to create virtual worlds so fantastical and real, but there were some people who, for example, are perfectly lovely in their everyday life, except they have the uh. overwhelming urge to axe murder children to death. If, should we let them do that in the virtual world? It, like, is that enough of an outlet for them to, to... And it's an interesting moral question. I would put forward the argument that it's only acceptable if the um, holographic simulation isn't completely realistic. Or if it's got, like, a ditto face from Pokemon. You don't want to successfully finish up your axe murdering and go computer end program and then realise you're just in the shops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there has to be someone. It has to. Yeah, when you do it, it has to constantly remind you that it isn't real. There has to literally how, be someone to whisper in your ear, "This isn't really happening." But still, enjoy yourself. How how frequently, Mark, if you lived in the world of Star Trek, how frequently would you say the sentence "computer end program" just to check? <laughs> Oh, I've never thought about that before. <laughs> I've never said it out loud. <laughs> Computer end program. Nope, right, nothing on my nope, fine. We're good. <laughs> We're all good. All right, smashing. I I do, however, I I do uh, subscribe to the idea that we 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 more than likely are in a simulation. It's, oh yeah. Because if if, um, if 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 there if there is a chance, I mean this this is like the the, the Batman line from Batman versus Superman. If there is a chance that the world is a simulation, it is almost certain that it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the issue. Like it's the the only issue I have with that is if the world is a simulation, the number one thing that's going to get it turned off. Is if we reach a critical mass of people realizing that, so yeah. let's just not talk about it. <laughs> uh. Yeah, there's a there's a theory. I can't remember where I heard it. I think it might have been on the Infinite Monkey Cage, which is like a science podcast. Um, Love the Infinite Monkey Cage. That's brilliant. But someone put, for, if I recall, it was. But someone put forward the idea that maybe the world, like maybe we, if you go to the top level of the simulation people realise that if we upload our brains into a simulation then we are able to basically do things a lot faster 
Um, so maybe yeah. there's some kind of natural disaster or climate change scenario that they have to fix, but they can't figure out how to fix it fast enough. So they upload their brains into a simulation to allow themselves to live on in that world in order to fix it. But then they, in their own simulation, realise that they need to start thinking faster. So they just go down into a further simulation of their own computing power to make them think. Basically, they'll get to a point where um, thought will just be one infinite point. But if there is a simulation and there's layers of it, there is a good chance that we are just about 50% of the way down. Yeah, and it's... it's... Fuck me, this is a stoner episode, isn't it? All I can hope is if that is the case, that when they are going to turn it off, like we get a reward, like like you know, like it's like oh, we're going to turn off the simulation. Um, One up. Give everybody uh, a two thousand eight Linda Cardellini to do what they want with for the last last <laughs> twenty minutes of their life. <laughs> <laughs> what does Linda but, Cardellini do with two thousand eight Linda Cardellini? Um, I look. She knows what she looked like. Uh, <laughs> No, give her Anna Darnas. Uh <laughs> Give her, give her, give her twenty thirty five uh, Anna Darnas. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's if we are in a simulation, it's it's not. There's not much point thinking about it because we're fucked. But I'm just annoyed that like if you are trying to fix climate change, I get like you need a simulation of a world where climate change is happening, so you need to have that running more or less. But you could have made it a bit more entertaining, like. We, there are, there are no, like for example, I don't think it would throw off all your calculations too much, Mark, if the X Men existed, right? Yeah, or you could have made raindrops sound like screams. Yeah. <laughs> Just like you know how when you play the Grand Theft Auto games back on the PS2. And there's cheats that you can do that don't aren't really helpful, but they just make the game world a bit different, like yeah. moon gravity or something. Yeah. Give us one well, of that. The best, well, the- Still the greatest one of those ever was What If Mode on the PlayStation 1 Amazing Spider-Man game, which yeah. basically had a completely separate game, including like uh, Mysterio had a goldfish in the bowl. Uh, <laughs> and everything was, and all the voiceovers was, um, and all the voiceovers were Stan Lee rather than being... Um, oh, and yeah, uh, all, the, all the hostages that you, if I, if I recall, all the hostages in the game, the way that they were... Uh, it held hostage wasn't that they were tied up as with it was that they couldn't stop dancing oh yeah they couldn't yeah. stop dancing and um, if you um, all of their dialogue was replaced with Bill pa- Paxton's game over man speech from, um, <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> uh, um, it's, Jesus there's not a lot to talk about in this episode no um, nothing nothing really happens it's um it is annoyingly. It is kind of one of the very first actual character pieces. Yeah, we 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 learn quite a lot about Picard in this episode. We 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 learn his motivations for trying to become a starship captain. That that is, and as subtle as it was, well, no, not not particularly subtle, but as as kind of small as it was, it it, 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 it we we learn more about Picard in this episode, I think, than we learn in the entire rest of season one. Yeah, no, and, and for that. that it is worth it. The problem is it just isn't very interesting. Or yeah, it's some interesting like foundational character work. Which if this had been slipped in as little bits throughout season one would have been fine. Yeah, you kind of get this big dump of like, oh, he's married to his job, and it's like, yeah, but we kind of inferred a lot of this by yeah. this point. Um, there, I will say there's two interesting things I think in this, which is we get the first Deanna Troy 
not he's hiding something, but you're hiding something, Captain. <laughs> and I uh, and she's like, I would say this. Troy's been fairly spot on for like a run of like four or five episodes. It's that conference that she went to. <laughs> <laughs> that was it, though. That was the whole conference. Was maybe he's not hiding something. Maybe he's hiding something. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it. That's it. Or do you think it was just a bunch of self-help gurus? Maybe the one who's hiding something is you. It's you. <laughs> and and she took that like quite literally. Like she didn't take that to mean as in oneself is the one who's hiding things. She was just like, oh, I'm using the wrong prefix or the wrong pronoun. <laughs> the person who's hiding something is you. Yeah, I think that's that's fairly spot on. Yeah. Um, the other two things I did want to mention is one of the big things that comes up in this is that Paul Mannheim believes in the uh, in the multiverse which is a, a very out there belief to have in the world of star trek where it's confirmed fact that the fucking multiverse exists yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's literally been an evil spock and an evil kirk uh so well well done on being it's like that's like if there was an episode of like we had a tv show set modern day and somebody goes well he's quite out there he believes in the sun yes <laughs> um <laughs> Just a scientific fact, and I, my theory on why. So uh, we haven't mentioned there's three daters at one point because the time looping, and they don't know. And there's a countdown, and he's got to put a thing in a hole at a certain time. But because they're all experiencing different parts of time, they don't know which one's the thing. And he works yeah. out it's the middle one, and there's not really an explanation given. My only theory on that is he's using his own internal clock cycle to know how long it is. From when Geordie started the countdown for him, that'll be why he mentioned about it being a constant. Yeah, so he yeah. knows it syncs up, and that's the only. But like, it would have been nice to have the one sentence of dialogue to explain that. The other way that they could have put it is that the one time exists in three states: the past, the future, and the present. So, therefore, the one in the middle. Has to be the present, yeah. Because yeah, the one, fair. the one who's ahead of him has to be the future, and the one who's behind him has to be the past. So therefore, he yeah. has to be the present. Yeah, that's it. So I think that's that's we've that either of those would have worked as nice little sci-fi bollocks explanations, yep. but we didn't get either. No. And I do think it's a bit unfair that Picard doesn't tell Riker the intimate details of his sex life, given how keen he's been to get those that information from Riker. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but well, yeah, like it's 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 like a nothing episode, but it's like it's structured like a proper Star Trek episode. Yeah, and that's at least something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I wish they would. I feel like we riffed on it enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like there was there's less, I feel like we got enough content. Yeah, if you're thinking of watching this episode, I think genuinely this. This is one of the few times that I will say that I'm fully willing to say this episode of this start of this podcast is more entertaining than the episode of Star Trek itself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I yeah, possibly. I'll 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 decide that when I listen back to it. And also, just to throw this out there, I'm giving this episode zero out of five stars, Mark, because there is a full set of scenes involving the transporter chief. And it is not O'Brien. Yeah, I, yeah. some other fucking prick. So. Laura, Laura brought it up. She's like, where's Miles? 
Uh, all I've got written in my notes is, how dare you stand where he stood? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that was that, was that, wasn't it? Yeah. Hope you enjoyed this. Yeah. Uh, bye. Bye. The Captain's Log is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain's Log. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain's Log. <laughs>